Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, lawmakers were hoping to find some common ground with their pick for Pennsylvania Speaker of the House, Mark Rossi, but things are at a standstill. Now Rossi is crowdsourcing ideas on how to end this gridlock in the House, and he's coming to Pittsburgh first, the place that kind of got us into this mess. We're with Stephen Caruso from Spotlight PA to explain how we got here. It's Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Okay, Stephen, the legislative session started, but the House is recessed indefinitely. It's a bit of a a stalemate in there right now, and it's mostly because of Allegheny County. Hmm. Um, There are three vacant seats in the House that's led to a big power struggle. How, how did we get here? So a lot of it really starts with state rep Tony DeLuca, a longtime Democrat from Penn Hills, who uh, passed away in October, too close to the election day to take him off the ballot. On election day, with new maps, Democrats actually won a one-seat majority. But Tony DeLuca, you know, he, he has passed away, so he can't serve. Right. And then also two more Democrats, Representatives Austin Davis and Summer Lee, both want higher office, and they're going to take on those higher offices. So now Democrats won a majority on that day. They won 102 seats to Republicans 101. Mm-hmm. But and, and so that probably seems pretty clear cut to people. But like legislatures, it really matters day to day who is there to put up a vote, because that is what dictates what happens hmm. uh, every day in the House uh, or the Senate. It's, you know, it's a matter of do you have enough votes to pick rules, to name a speaker, to pass a bill? And that number changes depending on how many people are there. And normally these things just don't matter. But like because it's we're in really partisan times, there's a really close divide. Uh, tempers are just high in the state politics. Yeah. All these little things that normally, like, I would throw away when I'm writing a story are all super important. So basically, like, because of those vacancies, Republicans said, well, we have a majority because we can put up the votes. But it turns out they actually couldn't. Uh, They couldn't get unity behind a single person. So they, on swearing in day, January 3rd, it kind of looked like they might not have a speaker. But uh, in a deal engineered by Republicans, they put up this guy from uh, Berks County, a Democrat named Mark Rossi, and made him speaker. Mark Rossi, we talked about him before on a Friday News Roundup. He said that he was going to or planned to be an independent speaker. Has has that happened? Um, has he actually become independent? Uh, as far as we know, no. Uh, he hasn't really answered a whole lot of press inquiries. I've had a handful of conversations with him that haven't gone very deep. Uh, but, you know, so far his registration is still Democratic. Uh, he said mm-hmm. that he won't caucus with either party. But that kind of basically means, like, I won't go into meetings. Yeah. Like, I won't join them for meetings. I won't take, like, like you know, I just will try not to be part of their group. But that says nothing about necessarily, like, what he considers himself. 
Um, you know, and the speech he gave where he said he'd become an independent was written by Republicans because their idea was, oh, we'll make it 101-101-1. And uh, basically mean nobody has a majority and everything's up for debate. And that's not necessarily how it's looked because, you know, the reason it's just recessed indefinitely is that they came in one day to try and actually hold session on a topic that I feel like I should just, I'll, I'll get to later, but like on this really important topic of childhood sexual abuse uh, survivors. Right. And they just could not come to an agreement even on rules, like the basic rules of how do we pass a bill? How, who, who can, like, you know, is there a way to get rid of Mark Razi? Because some, some Republicans are having second thoughts. Uh, you know, like, like uh, the basic functioning of the chamber is just kind of up in, up in the air. And, yeah, this like never happens. <laughs> I, that's I was gonna ask: Has something like this ever happened to throw legislature into into counter, a free fall? It seems like it's just yeah. I mean, I think the best way I could put it is that like there have been you can find some similar times where where uh, control has been tight. Like if I really went through and I put on my historian cap, I could tell you well in two thousand seven and in nineteen seventy nine, but. I think the biggest difference is that right now, and I you even notice this in the building. I said like we're in this very like partisan, very uh, high tempered time, and and I think that in the past, even when tempers kind of peaked, yeah, there were a lot of folks around who were institutionalists for better and for worse. I'm not going to necessarily defend institutions for the sake of institutions, but there are a lot of people who thought, look, we're here for a reason to govern, and egos might get bruise but like we're gonna try and find a way to make this work and people kind of would accept defeat and and move on to an extent but this time i mean it's just been no holds barred partisanship i mean there are republicans who are screaming that like you know we have a majority right now we should use it as we want because they can just claim they have they have two more votes than democrats so they can pass whatever they want theoretically and, you know, there are Democrats who are just seething like this is just a continuation of Republicans denying election results because yeah. the fact is, you know, Democrats did win 102 seats. And that like at, that that attitude in the past, I think you could a couple people go to a back room and sit there and smoke cigars and cut a deal and just say, all right, we can all live with this. And there isn't really any appetite for that these days. I think putting Mark Rossi into the position of speaker was thought to be a step towards a bipartisan house. But like, is that hope still there, even though it is a little tenuous right now? Um, I think among some, maybe. Uh, so it's actually interesting. Um, Rossi is going to be holding at least two public hearings where he's just trying to get public input on the rules. And that like this, like I said, this is a really wonky subject, but the rules are kind of the ballgame for how we pass laws. Yeah. Like they could basically dictate, does the majority get to do whatever the heck they want? Or does everyone kind of get a fair shake and say on how policy is formed? And this is something that like good government advocates have asked for for a while, like let us in on the rules conversation, because normally this is decided in backroom deals weeks if not a month before swearing in day yeah and now that like rosy is just throwing open the, the gates on this like huge process he said i want to hear from everyone on everything there's going to be one on wednesday in pittsburgh and one in philly on friday but just the fact that the speaker of the house is like i want people to tell me how we can kind of run the ship better is i think kind of insane <laughs> Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, not not a good or bad way, but just like that that feels real. That feels like a really huge, like small D democratic step.
Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art? Eat gourmet snacks? People watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. You mentioned that Rozzy proposed this amendment to support adult victims of childhood sexual abuse. It would give them a two-year window to sue their abuser or the institution that covered it up. Mm-hmm. But where does all that stand in this divided house? Like, how has that been affected by this power struggle? Republicans in the Senate, because the Senate is organized and able to do whatever they want. Um, they uh, they married that with voter ID and a uh a change that would make it easier for the legislature to block um, regulatory actions. Hmm. So, and they put them all into one bill. They'd be presented if all passed as separate amendments, like like separate votes for the voters, if it makes it to the ballot, but they put it all together. They said, this is the best way we think to do it. And they sent it to the house. The house, like I said, can't hold votes. They can't really do anything. They're all rules. The deadline to get that at least on the ballot for May is Friday. Do you think that's going to happen? Sitting here a week before then, uh, you know, I have a text message from the speaker saying, you know, he remains hopeful, um, but they'd need to, you know, like like on that very deadline day, it sounds like the speaker is going to be in Philadelphia at a hearing about rules. Like they could theoretically maybe come to some last minute deal, maybe try to advance just a statute of limitations component, because that's what Mark Rossi, who is a survivor of sexual abuse himself, has said. Uh, like he wants mm-hmm. to advance it clean. And he has others who's kind of support who say the same thing. Um, he is Speaker Roger because another Republican uh, or a Republican named uh, Jim Gregory from Blair County, who is also a childhood survivor of sexual abuse, basically like help kind of broker this deal. Um, and both of them are this this amendment. It, it's been an issue for almost a decade now. And, and they've 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 been some of the loudest voices in the General Assembly for it. Um, they want to see it just move by itself. They don't want to see it caught up in politics. They want to see it just get put on the ballot at this point, I don't know if it could make it on the May ballot, but if it doesn't make it on the May ballot, then it could be on in November of this year. Then it could be on in May of next year and then so on and so forth. So, you know, this might be a lose the battle, keep fighting the war situation. Right now, the special elections are set for February 7th Mm -hmm. uh, for those three open seats left by the Democrats. Once those elections happen, do you think this is all going to be resolved or, you know, can we expect more discourse even if the Democrats do get that very thin, you know, margin? So, you know, I think like I said at the top is that like legislative bodies are funny where it's basically like if you have a majority vote, you can kind of do whatever you want. Maybe I take that back. Not whatever you want, but it, that's half the battle. Just make sure you have all the votes yeah. uh, lined up. So, right. um, 
I think that that definitely means that Democrats can, if they get, and they have had party unity, I would say, in a lot of this. Unlike Republicans, Democrats have managed to mostly hang together, except for then Rossi becoming speaker. Uh, but I mean, it's just almost like too early to say. Like on the one hand, I think a lot of Democrats I've talked to are really excited at the thought of being in a majority finally, because they've been in the mm-hmm. minority for so long. And then I think that, you know, if they hang together, they can just run the chamber. I mean, it's just a matter of like, you know, when do the issues that they can hang together easily on, like maybe say a minimum wage increase or uh, LGBTQ non-discrimination, once they start getting into trickier issues, maybe like an election code bill, maybe like marijuana legalization, mm-hmm. once you get into those where like there's a lot of nuance, yeah. how does the coalition start to shift and change? And, and, and you know, I, I also feel like the hard feelings from the last couple of months, because I mean, this started the day after the election when Democrats claimed victory in the lower chamber and said, we flipped it. Um, I don't think these hard feelings will go away all that uh, all that soon. I mean, this is a building that has a long institutional memory, and people are always trying to settle old scores. Governor Josh Shapiro was uh, sworn in a, a week ago. Mm-hmm. It looked like he lived it up in style for for the party after he was sworn in. I saw that Wiz Khalifa was there in a fur. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you were there, Stephen, but I was there. Oh, did you, was it fun? Um. Right, I, I, you know, I didn't you go, any... you go, you go as as a professional. I guess you're not going to party with Wiz Khalifa. I yes, that is very true. I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have loved to, like, uh, you know, get myself a whiskey and, and but I mean, I did, somebody did come up to me and force me to sing along to uh, what's that Charlie Poof song? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't believe they forced you to do that. Those animals. Um... <laughs> What can you tell us about uh, Josh Pirro's first days in office? Um, you know, we're, he started to issue a handful of executive orders. Um, we saw one on his first full day where he took away the uh, hiring requirement for about 93% of state jobs to have mm-hmm. a uh, bachelor's degree, which he argued would be a way to try and include more people, open up job opportunities. Also, I believe the state just has a lot of openings that they need filled. Um, and then also uh, on Friday, he issued an executive order that actually um, somewhat rolled back a gift ban from his predecessor, Tom Wolf. Mm-hmm. And that probably for a lot of readers is like, or listeners is like, whoa, whoa. But uh, Wolf's ban was so so strict that it meant that like his staffers wouldn't even really take like a free water bottle if they were at an event and someone was like oh here have some water uh with you know the implication that you know oh i could be bribed by a bottle of water a low bar bribe yes yeah and i i think there are well anyone whose place is a bottle of water i i would i'd love to meet them i'd be very (laughs) interested to see what they're like otherwise in their life uh so, but anyway, all this to say that he issued an order to uh, just basically make it that his staff can basically take free lunch every once in a while, uh, or mm. might be more than every once in a while, we'll see. Uh, but the main point is, as he framed it, and even former Wolf staffers have told me this, the idea is, you know, we we're, the, the most of it's in place so that lobbyists can't be giving out free Super Bowl tickets to staff or the governor. Right. But, like, if a staff member gets invited to lunch with a community group or, you know, with an interest group, even they can go and hear them out and eat the food and not be worried. They're going to be fired for an ethics violation. And, you know, we can have a long back and forth conversation about like what that says about our government, but uh, most good government advocates that myself and my colleague uh, have talked to are like 
this is okay. The only thing they'd wish for is maybe more transparency about who's meeting with who and maybe what the menu is. <laughs> Stephen Caruso is the Capitol reporter for Spotlight PA. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. House Speaker Mark Rossi kicks off his public listening tour tomorrow at 6 p.m. at CMU. We'll include more info in our show notes. A little more news before you go. For the first time in its 300-year history, Pennsylvania Supreme Court has a female chief justice, and she happens to live in Pittsburgh. Deborah Todd had been acting as chief justice since her predecessor, Max Bayer, died last month. Now she's formally sworn into the position. Todd graduated from Pitt Law and at one point worked as a litigator for U.S. Steel. And the city of Pittsburgh received $7 million in federal funding to repair and replace city steps. While $7 million may seem like a lot, city officials told WESA it's a drop in the bucket in regards to how many stairs need upgrades. I mean, you've seen the steps. The city hasn't picked which steps to restore yet, but officials are considering several factors such as equity, step usage, and proximity to bus stops and schools. We did a whole episode on City Steps, so if you want to learn more about them, we'll drop a link in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, take the steps to tell a friend and rate the show and leave us a review and subscribe to our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city, so we'll see you then. It needs to leave me alone. Okay.